Hello, Rachel. Hello, Philip. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? All right, thank you. Welcome, everybody. We've had Rosh Hashanah. At the time of listening, we'll have had Yom Kippur. So I feel Rachel... like at the moment, it's either I'm buying a chicken, I'm cooking a chicken, or I'm eating a chicken, and that's my routine, because it's Shabbat, it's Yom Tov, it's Shabbat, it's Yom Tov. And we still have another three weeks like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a bit stressful, I think, and so mm. especially with the kids off school as well. You've got to work out which days you've got to pick them up early, which days they've got to be in school. So other than all that, how Jewish has your week been? I'm trying to write some new material that's based around Aramaic expressions in the Talmud and make them accessible for a non-Jewish audience, for normal club audiences. But at the same time, it's written in such a way that if I'm in front of a Jewish audience, I can, pardon the expression, ham it up. Yeah, I, I think I've seen Jimmy Carr do that. Michael McIntyre's done loads about Aramaic <laughs> expressions. So be careful. Oh, no, I wouldn't want to copy their bit about Minof Gamina. I'm having quite a lot of fun with it. Yesterday I tested it in front of two non-Jewish groups and it was quite interesting because A, there's something I think in the musicality of comedy performance that makes certain words just sound funny and it doesn't matter if you understand them or not. But also the thing that it's taken me a long time to learn is if you want to make something accessible, you've got to get to the bit that everyone else understands as fast as possible. So it doesn't really matter if you use a long word nobody knows, as long as you can very quickly say, oh, but we all do that because what it is actually is this. Will it ever be seen on Live of the Apollo? I would doubt it, but I like to think I would be the only act on the circuit doing stuff about Talmudic expressions and why we say them all the time. Well, I have some bad news for you because I'm actually going to be on Live with the Apollo next week doing exactly that. So, <laughs> what are the expressions uh, you've chosen then, Philip? Just out of interest, which of the many Talmudic expressions that we use constantly? Mainly. Oy. Yeah, that does crop up a lot. Have you had a very Jewish week? It's not very Jewish week. I mean, it's high holy day season, so I'm not very busy. But I was doing a crossword yesterday on an app on my phone I've just downloaded. Right. And there was a clue that amused me. The clue was unorthodox religion or sect. And it's four right. letters. I assume it's Jews. No, unorthodox religion or sect, according to this crossword, is a cult. Oh, cult. But it just amused me because you and I do the weekly thing with the podcast of I'm reform, she's orthodox, all that. And I mm. think the idea that anyone who's not orthodox is in a cult is quite amusing. So you're orthodox, so you're in a perfectly normal, fabulous religion. I'm yeah. unorthodox. So I'm in a cult and we trap our children in basements. And, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think there's Formal an element of truth. The FBI and things like that. Yeah, obviously, there's an element of truth because if Orthodox Jews are right, which we don't know, but if they are, then we're fine and everyone else is a sheeple cult. But surely you would say that every religion ultimately is a cult because it's based entirely on faith. All I'm saying is that if all religion is a cult or they are independently cults, I'm very glad that we're in the one that has chicken soup. Yes. I mean, if that's the only benefit of being in this one. There are loads, but they're predominantly related to food. Oh. But see, according to this crossword clue, Jewish itself isn't a cult. It's just the unorthodox people. So you're fine. I feel fine. Anyway, anyway this, this amused me, but uh, leads very nicely into the podcast episode because this is the second of our three live recordings. It's the second one we did in Edinburgh. We were very kindly hosted by Assembly in a shipping container, which was hot mid heat waves. Very, very hot. We didn't have the fan 
on during the recording, I don't think, because we didn't want to disturb the actual recording. But then we forgot to put a microphone in the audience anyway. Mm. So although we can hear that a couple of times the audience asks questions, we get microphones to them. A lot of the background audience noise is lost because we didn't have the microphone there. So we yeah. could have had the fan. But the reason I'm telling you that is because there are times when the audience laughed uproariously at a few of our jokes that you will not realise if <laughs> you listen to the recording. We've been trying to get Ian Stone on the podcast for a while, and he, yeah. like many of our guests have been, wasn't sure if was he Jewish enough or not, and it was such a delightful, fun interview. I'm really glad that he came on and did it live, because he really was top form. And the way he describes his relationship with Judaism, I think, is fascinating, both professionally and personally so yeah. I think our listeners will enjoy hearing that experience. My biggest anxiety on the day actually was because I was absolutely starving so in my rucksack as you know I keep an emergency apple and I ate my emergency apple and then when Ian arrived and we were just finishing like our final bit of tech rehearsal he mentioned that he hadn't had any time to eat and he was ravenously hungry and not being able to give him any food was the most excruciating thing that's happened to me probably in my life. I found it very, very difficult to cope. It was very funny watching your reaction. I did feel sorry for Ian that he was hungry, but it was funny watching your reaction and seeing your public failure as a Jewish mother. Um, <laughs> I was like, do you want me to go and get you something? Shall I go? Shall I go and buy you something? Can I go to a shop? Can I whatever? And he's like, no, no, it'll be fine. It's only an hour. It's only an hour. And then the whole time I was like clock watching thinking... Oh, God, does he look peaky? And also, there was a lot of talk about food. Yeah. So listen out. Whilst you're enjoying the episode, listen out for all the times when Ian is just beside himself with hunger. Enjoy the episode. Here it is. Hello, I'm Philip Simon. And I'm Rachel Krieger. We are two Jewish comedians. I'm Orthodox, so walking everywhere on Shabbat has been excellent preparation for being here at the Edinburgh Fringe. And I'm Reform, so part of me wishes I could replicate my Shabbat experience by driving everywhere and just parking around the corner from the venue. This show is the audio equivalent of Edinburgh reviewers. You never know how they'll react. Whatever they say, we only really care what our mums think. And as Jews, we're always a bit wary about being given one star. In each episode, we chat to one of our favourite Jews about their lives and experiences growing up and how much Jewishness plays a part. Are they Oi Jimmy or Oi Vey? Welcome to Jew Talking to Me, live from the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> Let's introduce our guest. He's a comedian, broadcaster and author of To Be Someone, a tale of growing up listening to the jam and life in the 70s. Here at the Fringe with his stand-up show, Writer of Wrongs, it's Ian Stone. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank Go you. On. Good, welcome. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Regular listeners to the podcast will know we always like to find out how our guest describes their Jewish background. So you know that I'm Reform and Rachel's Orthodox, but Ian, what kind of a Jew are you? <laughs> I'm not sure I'm the best person to be a judge of that, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I mean, in some ways, I'm a bad Jew. I don't really believe in God. I mean, that's like 101. Isn't yeah, it, really? well, it, yeah, but you, it doesn't really make any difference. Apparently, I, could, I, mean, I suppose I, if I was actually thinking about it, I'm sort of a cultural Jew. In fact, I, I actually really a professional Jew because <laughs> I, I sort of only really express my Jewishness on stage. 
Off stage, I'm a, a, a Christian fundamentalist. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're aware that God covers that as well, though. So. Uh, 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 <laughs> ah, ah. Well, I, I re- didn't realise there was a flaw in my plan. Yeah. No, really, I just talk about Jewishness on stage. Off stage, I don't really live uh, a, a very Jewish life. And by not very, I mean not at all. Well, that's right, because you're on stage now, so it's fine. Yeah, no, right now, right now is the most Jewish I would be. It's great. Yeah, this is why we've done this here and not in your home. I know, that would be very embarrassing. (laughs) So, Ian, what's the most Jewish thing that's happened to you recently? This. (laughs) I would say this. I did go to a, a, I went to a a do uh, about a month ago, and uh, that, that was fairly Jewish, but this, I think, is really the most Jewish thing. What was the do, and how am I related to them? <laughs> it was a wedding. It was oh, a Jewish it wedding. Tough. It was a lovely, uh, lovely do, and, uh, you know, there was a tremendous amount of orange juice drunk at the bar. Who catered? <laughs> you don't have to tell me. <laughs> That's, it seems about like the idea of a, a do being a wedding, because I remember growing up, we were always told if you went to a wedding, it was a wedding. It's a wedding. And then a friend of mine got married, and it was on a Saturday, not Jewish, and I happened to mention it to my parents. I'm going to a wedding, and they got really cross with me. You can't say that about a non-Jewish wedding. Uh, is that a rule? Yeah, well, in my house, it is. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I wouldn't go against your mum. It's no. the 614th law, <laughs> <laughs> I believe. A wedding a must wedding be Jewish. <laughs> must not be on a Saturday. No. no, that's true. Right, so these are tough times that we're living in, and we like to check in with our guests and find out how you're doing, uh, especially now at the Fringe. Life's ticking over, but we'd like to know what's the matter, Bubbler. So, Ian, what's going on? Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Rachel m- did mention this to me yesterday. I said, what's the matter, Bubbler? And I said, nothing, Tuttle, because my mother <laughs> used to say that uh, uh, years ago. Um, uh, uh, well, it depends what you want me to complain about, really. Uh, in the end, politics is what's the matter, if you're asking me. I feel like okay. we're living in, I don't know, I feel like we're being trolled by our and gaslit by our leaders. Uh, do you want this to be funny, by no, the way? Because ju- uh, I just find it, it difficult. Heart. I find it difficult at the moment. I've done a few political shows here, and uh, I'm not doing much politics in the show, but I am, I'm genuinely upset by what's happening and and you know somebody asked me do, do you want Rishi Sunak or Liz Truss to be leader and I, I I thought well I want whichever one is more likely to lose them the next election that's yeah. that's what I yeah. want but in terms of what's going on at the moment I also want Boris Johnson to get some sort of illness <laughs> is that too far I genuinely hate I genuinely find it upsetting <laughs> uh, oh, I, oh, you're an American person. Well, the thing is, we I used to do a joke in the show about how do you not think American elections are far too important to be left in the hands of Americans, right? <laughs> Which is a funny gag, but I think they could do that to us now, couldn't yeah. they, really? Uh, so, uh, no, I'm, I'm disgusted and appalled by the state of, of politics, if you're asking me. That's what is the matter, well, Bubbler. We are asking, in, in terms of your question about whether it should be funny or interesting, for serious, whatever, we told them it was funny on the way in, but we're, they're here now, so say what you like. We've got the money, haven't yeah. we, is what you're saying. <laughs> So we no, can do pretty no much what we want. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I would moan about football, but my football team, Arsenal, are doing pretty well at the moment. So uh, that's not the matter at all, to be honest with you. No, it's politics. It's the state of the yeah. world. It's climate change. It's Vladimir Putin being a. It's. Uh, can I say that? Uh, 
not, a, not, not twice. <laughs> it's Vladimir Putin being a really not a good person at all. It's, it's all the stuff that's going on in the world that upsets me, which is why I'm not watching the news as much as I used to. Yeah, I haven't watched the news since we've been here, but I have done bits on Political Breakfast, which is an early morning show. And it means that my political knowledge is, um, I'm going to say limited. It was already quite limited, before and now it's a lot more well i it's just upsetting isn't it really i yeah. I, I mean essentially i see the news and you see a story and you go that is awful that and then you see another story and go that is terrible and then you see a third story and go that is appalling and at some point depending on your level of education you run out of adjectives don't you yeah. right and then you have to double up then you go oh that is awfully terrible that isn't it? <laughs> terribly appalling and it's just uh so i find it uh, i can't i can't bear it if i'm totally honest with you that yeah. is what's the matter and, and being here at the fringe we're in a bubble so we're not necessarily seeing it all and just when you realize how appalling it is an improv troupe tries to give you a flyer <laughs> and it gets worse <laughs> hey I did improv for the first time at this festival did you? I worked with the comedy store guys and, and I, I found myself lying on the ground holding an imaginary sex toy thinking this is where my career is leading <laughs> uh, no it's been absolutely brilliant so I know I, I, I don't mind an improv troupe I do yeah some student group going would you want to see a production of Molière's Tartuffe at four o'clock <laughs> eight miles outside the fridge no, I'd rather cut my own leg off <laughs> I mean if if you did cut your own leg off and put a hat next to you, someone would put some money in and then an improv troupe will come and dance around I you. Listen, like, yeah. I listen, I cannot have a go. I mean, I'm doing the free fringe. I yeah. am doing the free fringe at the moment and it is, uh, I mean, it's an interesting thing, uh, a Jewish man trying to convince a room full of predominantly Scottish people to give you money. <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, it's almost like a hostage situation, to be honest with you. Uh, but it's working out okay, and, I, and I'm loving, I'm genuinely loving being back here. I haven't been here for 14 years. Gordon Brown was Prime Minister last time. I wow. was, I know, it feels like ancient history, doesn't it? It's like the Romans. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's really, really fantastic to be back. Good. Excellent. All right, we're going was to that meant on? to be a round of applause there? There wasn't, was there? No, no, no. no I just, no, no, it just felt like there should be. I wasn't <laughs> asking for one. No, go on, keep going. Go on. <laughs> oh, bless oh, you. That's, so nice. that's, that's a Jewish audience. That's lovely, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. You deserved it. Oh, that's lovely. They'll probably text your family and say how well you did. Good, good on you. Or <laughs> well, don't tell them where I am. <laughs> In the next question we normally ask is to do with food, but I'm very conscious that you told us just before we started that you're starving hungry and you haven't had your dinner. And normally when I see people, I say, have you eaten yet? And I know the answer is no, and it's really stressing me out. And this is the one time at the fringe I don't have food in my rucksack to give you. Unbelievable. So, uh, Part-time Jewish food. mother. I'm going to have to give my credentials back. It's quite stressful but uh have you got any particular memories that are connected to either to jewish food or a meal with other jews oh uh, i mean seder nights is really what what i think about when i think about about food to be honest with you because i used to go to my auntie irene's who's still with us 90 something is my favorite aunt uh and um she used to do seder nights uh on a uh, well on a seder night and uh and we'd um, what we do is we do the first half of the prayers and then we'd stop for this enormous fress, right? Just that, um, just enormous. She used to make three types of soup. I mean, who makes three? Only three? Three to come on. It's quite, I mean, I, I haven't even got the hob space for three types of soup. And we used to eat and eat and eat and then we used to get back and do the prayers except for one 
particular evening, I think it was a Saturday night in 1976, when West Ham were playing Eintracht Frankfurt in the <laughs> European Cup and Cup quarterfinals, and my cousins were both West Ham fans. So after the food, we stopped to watch the football, and then we got back into the prayers uh, later on, that, which I thought was feel, lovely. That feels like the Christmas day in no man's land, <laughs> where they stopped fighting in order to have a game of football. It was. I, I loved everything about the Passover meal. I, I used to love, because what you'd have to do is you'd have all the haroset and all the rest of it, and every time they said point to the bitter herb, we point at my granddad. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. And uh, we'd all laugh, except for him. He'd sit there looking like, oh, don't do that. And we'd find it so funny. There were also a couple of words in Hebrew, which I won't repeat on here, which sounded like swear words in English. So we used to love doing that as well. Yeah. And and it, they were amazing, amazing meals. And my uh, bless her, my mum... Uh, she couldn't reproduce my Auntie Irene's uh, soup, so I moved out and moved in with uh, Irene. <laughs> I love that you took that as not a joke. Uh, yeah, like I'd actually do that. I did live there for a couple of weeks, but uh, uh, yeah, that's what I remember. And I just, it, it's uh, it, eating, especially on Saturday night, it's just it's a lovely thing to do, isn't it, really? It just occurred to me that we didn't check if we had any non-Jewish people in this audience. Give me a cheer if you're not Jewish. Oh, sorry, wow. I've been using some references that you... Okay. okay. Um, so ecumenical. You're ecumenical. <laughs> oh, well, I hope that clears up. Yeah. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, say tonight is the Passover meal that you have when you discuss the exodus till very late at night with a brief interval for football, apparently. Oh, oh, which is exactly what Moses did in yeah. the Bible. That is what happened. I, I used to have... I don't know if you ever had... We, there's a book that you read from on a, on a Passover uh, uh, called the Haggadah, right? And it's got all the prayers for that particular festival. And it also... It, the kids' books used to depict the ten plagues because that's what how Moses got the Jews out of uh, um, out of Egypt is he inflicted ten plagues on there the will Egyptians. be an exam at the end <laughs> and uh, and and my little thing had a had a basically the, so the Jews uh, escaped from escaped from Egypt and then Pharaoh changed his mind and chased them towards the sea and Moses parted the Red Sea and my little Haggadah this holy book had a thing where you had the Jews crossing the Red Sea and then when the Egyptians came in I could pull this little lever and the sea went over the top of them. It was absolutely fantastic. I had the same one. You the, had the children's same one. Haggadah. Lovely. Um, Jews, did you have the children's Haggadah with all the tabs to pull and everything? Yeah, it was I beautiful. liked um, the bit where you could pull Moses along in the wicker basket. There was all that. It was yeah. a fantastic was little Haggadah. I wish I kept it. We had multiple Haggadahs, Haggadot, which meant that you never knew where you were. So you, you'd go around the table each reading a passage, but each book would be different, some with quite biblical language and some with a bit more modern language. Other, other people have that? Is that yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes, can tell you something, Ian, and this may or may not be in your memories, that dinner was page 26 of that book. <laughs> I you know, you're not even wrong. Well. That is true. It's true. It's wow. You get to the twenties, you think, oh, oh six coming soon. Coming. Which one of the three will I have? And that page twenty-six in all of our houses <laughs> is full of little crumbs. Yeah. It's covered in speckles of wine or grape juice because your kids obviously at the time, and you know all the little marks of the food, and that's why you know, like when you're at school and someone lends you that book when you're about fourteen and it falls open at certain pages. Yes. But a Haggadah, children's Haggadah, page. 26 full of food we were lent very different books at school <laughs> I think <laughs>
What was your favourite foods at the meal? Oh, I loved the haroset. I, I can't remember what was in it. It was apple and it was a sweet sort of thing because yeah. each of the different bits of food m- were meant to represent the haroset, I think, represented the cement. It did, yeah. Well, with which the Jews built the the, uh, the pyramids. Mm. And, uh, and, so, and, each, and there was a bitter herb, and which was the tears, wasn't it? I, did you know what I was like? The, the trauma, the, the salt, salt water. water. The bitter herb, yeah. Um, I, d- I haven't talked about this for about 40 years. I'll be totally you're doing very well. Uh, yeah. It's coming to me. It's nice to chat about it. it uh, listen, I'd rather be eating, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, but it's lovely all the same. I'm really, I'm, I'm genuinely hungry, but I'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, my, my dad became religious when my family became religious. Um, he was very strict about the fact that when you had the bitter herb, at one point you have it dipped in haroset, which is like a kind of apple cinnamony paste. Right, it's cinnamon. supposed to be... Um, representing the cement and like, it's delicious um, and so my dad used to go um, at the family seder um, and now we should really shake the haroset off and everyone just used to laugh at him like, <laughs> no why would you do that that's yeah. the nice the, bit the haroset is the, the best nice part bit. we used yeah. to put the bitter herbs under our wine cups what and they, well, we didn't, you don't want to eat the bitter herbs. Oh, I would. They're bitter. Yes, no, I really like love them. Yeah. Oh, no. Horseradish. When, when it came to whoever cleared the table at the end of the night, they were just picking up the wine cups and finding bitter herbs and, oh. and the thing that's underneath. The other, that's the other stuff, because the wine, right, the non-Jewish people, it was it was called Palwin's wine, right, mm-hmm. which was a good table wine if you wanted to strip the table, essentially, <laughs> yeah. uh, was the joke. And it was and Palwin's, I found out, stands for Palestinian wine, yeah. which mm-hmm. I'm not sure Israeli Jews will be drinking at this point. They still are, actually. Are pass- Yeah. And do you know the other interesting story about Powins? Because they have really random numbers. Like there's number 11, number 40, whatever. Mm. Yeah, it's the numbers of the, it's buses. the buses. I'd heard oh, this. I'd heard yeah. this. I don't know if that's an urban myth. Do we know if it's true? No, I'd heard that's true. I yeah. think let's believe it because yeah. it's nice. Yeah. It's a nice okay. story. Oh, great. Passover that, memories. That's Passover. That's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, when the family sits around, everyone gets on. I'm not sure everyone does get on. Uh, quite often it can lead to family arguments, uh, which leads us very nicely into thinking about Bruguses. That's uh, the next one we want to talk to you about. Uh, Bruguses, the, the petty, petty arguments that we have. One of them that we love being the difference between bagel and bagel, because some people say some people say bagel. And some people are wrong. So let, let's uh, hear. Let's hear from the room. Give me a cheer <laughs> if you think that bagel, the wrong one, is the right one. Yeah. Give me a cheer if you pronounce it the correct way, bagel. As a non-Jew. As a non-Jew. As a, you're, where are you from? <laughs> I don't know where that is, but you. There's no, but there's no. a correct pronunciation of bagel. There's no bagels either. There's bagels. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, we, we should call it the food program. Um, <laughs> and the Harry Bakers did a whole thing about it. Harry Bakers, Harry Bikers. Harry yeah. Bakers. Because there's both. There's what? both. Good joke. We're keeping it in. Um, <laughs> I think it deserved more that joke. I think, I think so. I really like but, that. Yeah. But that, I'm not sure we can both ask for applause. In, in <laughs> no, it's fair enough. Uh, so, uh, anyway, we know that Jews love a Bruegus, but we'd love to hear if there's a favourite feud that you know about. It could be your family, it could be friends, it could just be. A classic Jewish falling out that's really, really petty. I mean, I was thinking about this. I wrote a book about growing up in the 70s and my family. But if we can't swear, I can't tell. I mean, actually, I'll tell you this story. We can can bleep In context, it's fine. In context. Okay, well, my parents hated each other. All right. I mean, properly hated each other. And they they used to have rails all the time. And there was one time when my, my dad was telling my mum to shut up. Sorry, my mum was telling my dad to shut up. 
And she's, she's going, shut up, shut up. My dad looked at her and he went, shut up, shut up. That's all you got in your vocal berry. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and the whole family stopped and went, vocal? You mean vocabulary. <laughs> I swear to you, it was the only time we all laughed together. The only time. But if you want it, I mean, my parents genuinely, genuinely hated each other. And because and, uh, and my mum would see my dad sitting in his chair uh, in, in the lounge and she'd look over to him and she'd go, she'd just look at him. She wouldn't even use his name. She'd go, Oi! Yeah. <laughs> Oi! And she'd keep doing this until he'd look up and she'd go, she'd go, come over here, right? And he'd come over and he'd go, what? And she'd go, F*** off. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. And my dad would look at her and go, now you f*** off. And then they'd disappear into separate rooms in the house. I didn't know their names till I was 19. That's not even a joke. I went to some family do, and somebody went, Helena. And I thought, who the hell's Helena? And my mum answered. I thought, oh, Helena. Right, okay. That, I, so I saw a lot of arguing in my right. house. I mean, a tremendous amounts, really. Uh, it was grim, as a matter of fact. It was grim. But, uh, uh, you know, on occasion, funny. Was it based in anything or just... Uh, hatred. Hatred. Genuine okay. hatred. When my parents got married in 1958, in November 1958, and my, my dad took my mum to Bournemouth uh, for a honeymoon, because uh, if you're not from here, English seaside towns in November are lovely. <laughs> and, uh, and on the first day they were there, uh, the first morning uh, after they did the deed for the, uh, the two times they did it, as far as I understand, uh, <laughs> after uh, my dad said to my mum, uh, I've got a surprise for you. And my mother, I guess she's 21 year old young woman, she thought, oh, maybe it's like clothes or perfume. And he gave her two tickets to a uh, Bournemouth against Brentford in the English Fourth <laughs> Division. <laughs> Not even seats, standing tickets. And I mean, she should have stabbed him in the eye with a the fault there and then. But they stayed together and let it hate and let that hatred sort of simmer. And uh, it, it, uh, it it all built up through the years. Wow. My my uh, brother-in-law is a massive football fan. And I'm not going to say which team. My sister insisted they got married on a day when that team was playing so that he proved that on that one occasion she was more important. Really? It, yeah. You say, ah, oh, I say find someone else. <laughs> I mean, what is she thinking to do that? I mean, even if I loved her, I go, why are you doing this to me? Why are you punishing me? But I'm, I, you know, I, sorry, when I <laughs> was 13, I had my permitsmith when I was 13, and Arsenal were playing Sheffield United in the afternoon. And I said, so I had my permitsmith in the morning, it was all very nice. And then I said to my mum, can I go to Arsenal uh, in the afternoon? And she said, you can't go, it's your permitsmith. She said, God will be watching. And I thought, <laughs> well, at least he's seeing the bloody game. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I know football. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't get married to them, but I'd seriously think about it. <laughs> so who, who won on the Bermitzvah? Who, who, who won? won? Arsenal, Arsenal beat Sheffield United 1-0. Okay. Yeah, but I wasn't there to see it, was I? No. I was. I had to be at home in the afternoon for some reason, even though there was nothing to do anyway. I don't know. She you just sat at home going, this is being a man. This, <laughs> this is it. I thought I was allowed to do what I could yeah. do. <laughs> Fun not. fact. You know, uh, uh, 66, the match in 66, then it was made into a film. Yes, yes. Mm. My lovely husband, Mark, sitting out there in the audience, Hi, played Dovening Jew number 11 or something <laughs> in 66 in the film. Really? It was in it. Oh, yeah. outstanding. I love yeah. that movie. And went to see it with um, our son, who I don't remember how long ago it was. Um, but at that time, 
Mark taught in our older son's school and we turned up at the cinema and the three rows behind us were all students from that school and my son was like also at the school it was quite embarrassed he sort of slunk down in his seat um, because we knew what was coming and it got to that point in the film where you could see the synagogue and all the people praying and suddenly from behind we heard it's Mr. Krieger it's Mr. Krieger and um, yeah I got nachos from it anyway which is pride or crisps crisps yeah uh, nachos <laughs> uh, we're going to change the subject now completely and i'm going to ask you in about your most interesting personal jewish connection to another jew so if you think of the idea of six degrees of can't eat bacon tell us who that might be <laughs> thank you Aaron. yeah i mean i Dave Badil, I grew up with Ivor and Dave and Dan, the three of them. I mean, I, I used to spend a lot of my time, because my parents were not very happy with each other, I used to spend a lot of my time at my friend Ivor's house, who's uh, David's brother. So I, I suppose David would be the most interesting one. And I have been approached at least five times a day at this festival by people saying, you, you're, are you Dave Badil? Mm. And I always wow. say yes. <laughs> it's funny for him to then get messages going, saw you at the Edinburgh Festival, and he's thinking, oh, I'm not here. That, uh, that, makes, weird... that makes this booking very awkward. <laughs> um, uh, weirdly, weirdly, and I, I, I was once on a bus with David Badil, and somebody came up to me and went, you look like David Badil. <laughs> and I went, what about him? And they <laughs> looked at him and went, nah. <laughs> one of the weirder moments of my life. But uh, yeah, I would have thought Dave would be, I guess, the most interesting Jew. Although I do know, I know Jerry Sadovitz, who's here at the festival, although not as much as he was hoping to be. <laughs> uh, I think uh, more of him than people were expecting to see at the festival. That was part of the issue. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, no. Jerry... Jerry Sadovitz, who exposed himself, which he's done every show in the last 20 years, as far as I can tell. Yes, say. and there's yeah. also a documentary about Ian Cognito being shown. Uh, who, that's who true. Is, who is a comic. comedian that died, literally died on stage, yeah. a fantastic comedian who was well known for exposing himself, among other things. So it's not, it's not uncommon. It's not that uncommon, but I think the ushers were a little bit upset. Yes. Yeah. Because they're young and they don't understand. But uh, uh, don't understand, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, <they laughs> exposing <are>. yourself. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, I would have thought Dave would be the Jew mm. that I, and, and, and he's doing very well. And, uh, right? and uh, mm. Jews Don't Count is a wonderful book. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and I'm pleased for him. So I think Dave is probably the guy really interestingly i don't remember who it was but we've had Ivor on the show yeah and he didn't say david was his most interesting <laughs> so funny so <laughs> well Ivor, Ivor is my oldest friend david's brother uh, is yeah. my oldest friend and i spent i spent a lot of my teenage years and my in fact younger than that from about seven or eight around their house three or four times a week because that was my house was a working class house and theirs was they had radio three playing Right. You know, which yeah. was it was really weird to me and unusual, and they and used to sit around the dinner table and eat together, which I we never did in my entire childhood. So uh, that was sort of interesting oh, yeah. as well. Except Saturday night. Except Saturday nights, but that was <laughs> my aunt's. Yeah. Wow. So they had three soups every night. Three in the Badil <laughs> house, one for each child. Yeah, Dave would be the one, I think. Cool. Really. Okay, I'm still wondering what the soups were. What were the three choices? It was a tomato and a chicken, obviously, obviously. and there was some <laughs> some sort of broth. It was a broth, a broth, I think. I can't remember particularly, but I used to go for the tomato. My aunt, I don't know what she what, did. Sorry, sorry. Um, we've known each other quite a while. You used to go for the tomato. Oh, you, you haven't tasted my Auntie Aaron's tomato soup. Absolutely fantastic. No, it just, wow. You know what? It's just, it was absolutely amazing. My mum spent years trying to recreate it, never, never managed it. That was probably Heinz. <laughs> <laughs> was there not also a saltwater 
in with egg option. Yeah, that, well, it was, yeah, but that was a separate thing. I wouldn't see that as soup as much as salt see, we, water we with egg. We treat it as a soup course. <laughs> what? Do you have that? So, sorry, so I'm okay, really sorry. Just, just, just to explain for for those that don't know or are looking at me weirdly, um, one of the things you eat is the you eat the egg and, and you you have it in salt water. Yeah. But for us, it's like a soup course. Are you saying you have it instead of soup at your seder? Because no. Oh no. thank God! That really, I got palpitations. Not, no, not not instead of as a a mousse bouche, I guess. I don't know, like <laughs> an egg in salt a, a water, pa- a palate dirtier. Like I don't know what 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 should it be? I'm just imagining going to some fancy restaurant that they bring you like a tiny little quail's egg in salt water on a spoon and say, "So a mousse bouche." Yeah, and then you pour salt water. That's that's. Uh, wow. But then then the chicken soup comes out. I have no idea what an mousse bouche. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's like a starter, tiny one. The tiny at, at a. At a to a wedding, you get the canapes. It's, it's one of those, I guess. Like, oh a, right, okay. I don't know. I, okay. I heard it in Friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think we might know the answers. This we've vaguely touched on it. The idea where the Jewishness has impacted or influenced your work. You said you're a professional Jew. Uh, so was that a conscious decision? Was was that something that just happened organically? If people found out you were Jewish, tried to book you for Jewish gigs. I did. I did actually do quite a lot of Jewish gigs uh, early on as a promoter, uh, a Jewish promoter called Nigel Clarfield, who booked me for a lot of Jewish gigs. Uh, honestly, some of the hardest gigs I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't easy at the time. Uh, they're 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 a uh, a crowd with standards, I guess one would say, and uh, and I didn't always meet them really. Uh, <laughs> but I did. You know, I got used to it after a while. Um, no, I've always talked about about my jewishness on stage not so much in the not so much in this show i actually barely mention it but uh yeah in the past uh i used to do all sorts of uh uh, of jokes uh in in my in my sets but uh i'm doing less now really but of course it's impacted on my uh on my work um yeah i i it's 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 a big part of me and i Mm. like to talk about it really Mm. um I mean, I used to do. I, I don't hate. What are they? I don't hate the Germans. I miss my grandparents, but I don't hate the Germans. <laughs> uh, I did that. I did that on the QE too, uh, unknowingly to a, uh, a room full of Germans. Uh, oh, it didn't go particularly well. Uh, well, what can you do? But um, yeah, no, of course I, I talk about it. Of course, mm. I have had a few people say you shouldn't talk about it as much, and I have. To, I do talk about it less, but. Uh, yes, it has been part of me and part of my work since I started. Um, I liked when you said that Jewish gigs are difficult. Our friend Aaron is in the audience, who's a comedian, he went, yes, with like so much feeling. I've got to be honest, I prefer doing Muslim gigs. Yeah. <laughs> Have you done That's a lot not of them? Job. I've got done quite a few Muslim gigs, yeah, and, and they're fun. And I've, uh, uh, yeah, but n- now it doesn't bother me. Right. Now I'm happy to do to entertain people because yeah. I think... You just get confident and you get to know who you are. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Some people have said that I'm a little bit of a self-hating Jew, uh, perhaps. So maybe that comes across. If you're not particularly proud of your heritage when you start, mm. and then people in an audience might not like that. Mm. Whereas now, I think I've sort of come to terms with it, really. <laughs> but, you know, I, yeah. I went to two Jewish schools. I went to Northwest London Jewish Day School in Willesden and then Jew- Jewish Free School. 
And I talk about the fact that we had the Holloway boys from the, the Tufts school up the road in Holloway used to come to our school every lunchtime and do Nazi salutes outside the school gates. Wow. Nazis. I mean, in the end, I think it was part of the curriculum. <laughs> 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 what have we got today? I've got maths and double anti-Semitism. <laughs> and we used, to, we used to have fights with them on a regular basis. So, and I used to tell those stories. Of course I did. Because mm. I think they're funny, you know, and mm. uh, or, although a bit brutal as well, yeah. uh, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, of course I talk about it, of mm. course. You know. Yeah, we used to have that in my primary school, Ilford Jewish. We had the Fairlops. Do you remember the Fairlops, Mark? We, we had, had a fight. Well. We had a fight with them in in a, in a in a nightclub somewhere around there. What once. with the, the Fairlops gang? Really? Uh, somebody hit they my friend Robert with a, with a snooker cue. Really? Yeah, wow. and I apparently wasn't quick enough to get in the way of the snooker cue. Yeah, because oh. I didn't want to get in the way. No, <laughs> quite right. Uh, yeah, so I do remember. I, yeah, I remember that. But it, when when I grew up in the seventies, there was a sort of much more of a, not gangs. But a sort of tribe thing, if you like. Mm. There were mods and rockers and there would and the Jewish kids and the non-Jewish kids. And the thing is also, uh, I was a mod for a while, so I was a Jewish kid with a target on my back. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not really what you want to be. <laughs> so, why do they keep chasing me? You've got a bleeding target on your back. Mm. What are you doing? So, uh, uh, yeah, that was it was quite a sort of scary time, yeah. really. But... You know, I, I think there's a I think there's a far side cartoon. You know, Gary Larson of a deer stood up and he's got a target there, and the, the caption is "bummer of a birthmark." Oh, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's very very funny. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I remember having run, running battles and 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 coming up against. I remember going on the Rock Against Racism march. I don't know if anyone's mm-hmm. old enough to remember this. In 1978, mm-hmm. Billy Bragg I think played in the Clash, and we marched from Hyde Park in the centre of London to Hackney, mm-hmm. right? Which is I used to say it's a long way. And honestly, halfway through the march, I'm thinking, well, racism isn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we get a cab against racism? <laughs> it's a black cab, you know. But, but I, what I remember, what I remember was marching through the east end of London and there were Nazi skinheads uh, doing Nazi salutes as, and I'm thinking, 40 years ago, my granddad was marching down the same streets getting the same nonsense from yeah. people. Yeah. So it was, it, was, it was shocking to me that we're still having to do that. And weirdly enough, and I don't particularly want to go on about the book, but weirdly enough, it's, these sort of things are still happening now. So history does repeat itself, I think, yeah. really. Definitely. I remember uh, growing up in Essex that time, there were a lot of uh, skinheads. And I was walking to Ilford from Chigwell, not for charity or anything, just walking um, with my friends. And he was wearing a kippah, a skull cap. And I don't look particularly Jewish um, without the headscarf on. You just think I was some random hippie. Um, but we were walking together to, to our friend's house and these skinheads all came up and surrounded us and started calling all kinds of names. But they were focusing just on my friend Damon and not talking to me at all. And then one of them, like obviously one of the ringleaders, he comes up to me and said, what are you hanging around with Jew boys for, right? You're one of us. What are you hanging around with the Jew boys? And I said, well, because I'm a Jewish girl. And they were so shocked that this blonde, pale-skinned person said they were Jewish, that they stopped what they were doing and we made a run for it. Shocking. It is shocking. It is. And and look, I mean, have you, because you talk about being Jewish on stage. Uh, Yeah. I I barely mentioned it. Have you had stick for it? So, two two things. I, like one, I spoke about it once whilst I was comparing a gig, and the the act that came on after uh, started saying, "Why did he talk about being Jewish? He doesn't look Jewish. I don't know why he brings it up." Which was an odd way to start your set 
when your job is there to entertain the audience for 20 minutes. Mm. So that, yeah. that, was, that was an odd thing he didn't need to do. I shouldn't have done um, that, should no, I, really? No, no. but we, we got over it. <laughs> it <was lovely laughs> to be um, and the, the, last, the other one was in Tamworth. It's the only time I've gigged in Tamworth, and I, maybe the only time I'll go back. Um, well, I, I always ask, are there any Jews in the room? And often there aren't, and I've got loads of stuff to work with if they don't. It's fine. I'm... And and someone when I asked that shouted out, "Hope not." Yeah. Ooh, which shocking. Is, but what was weird? His friend sort of turned on him for being racist, and then I turned on him for being racist, and then his friends turned on me for turning on their friend. Yeah, because it was okay for them to call him names because that's they, like they with know siblings, him. isn't it? You're yeah. allowed to pick on your sibling, yeah. but someone else. So that was three yeah. minutes into my set. I had seventeen minutes left. Oh no! It was a long set. I do my time. It was a long set. So those are the only. Two times, I've, I think it's really I've been had an loads issue. of it. Yeah, you know, I've had yeah, loads I've, of I've, it. I've, I've, I've started fights with people because of it. I've had some pretty nasty stuff, actually. I used to do. I mean, I remember this at up the creek, which is a which is a, a really good club, to be honest. In Greenwich, it's quite a rough crowd, and I used to do a joke about nut allergies and and an uncle dying from a nut allergy, an imaginary uncle, not a real. And uh, uh, nobody actually died in the making of that joke. <laughs> and uh, and I used to bend and I, and in the joke, I used to bend. And so the uncle, I'd go, "Oh, poor Uncle Gerald has died." And then I'd bend down. I go, "Well, if he's not having his nuts, I'll take them, right?" <laughs> and as I bent down to pick up the imaginary nuts and the imaginary dead uncle. Somebody in the audience went, typical Jew, right? Yeah. yeah. And and uh, uh, it was shocking. I mean, interestingly enough, um, I sort of knew he was doing it as a joke. He was trying to be funny and it didn't quite work out. Mm. And I decided, I actually wrote a show called Typical Jew, uh, which I was going to bring to the Edinburgh, Edinburgh Festival in uh, 2020. And then, uh, you know, yeah. Wuhan. Happened. We all know. Yeah, yeah, so I didn't do it, but it was sort of quite interesting. And I got loads of night. I put a little post on Facebook and went to bed. And the next day, I had about two hundred. Oh, are you okay? I was perfectly okay. Mm. But it's sort of interesting. It has happened to me on more than one occasion. Uh, mm. You know, and I sort of feel that you know when it's meant in a horrible way, mm. and you know when it's meant in I'm trying to be funny, but I've missed the mark. Mm. But I think sometimes if we talk about it on stage, they feel that they have license to talk about it as well. Exactly. exactly. So I, I did, I just remember actually, I did one where I talked about being Jewish, and as I came off stage, someone went, oh, well, I, I've got a Jewish joke for you, and told a not very nice joke. And I said, uh, oh, that's not a Jewish joke. That's a racist joke, and walked off. And he left. He, he and his partner left. They found me on social media afterwards and apologised. They were really... But but he thought, because I'd spoken about it on stage, mm. that was fine. Yeah. Uh, it's comedy in the wrong hands. Yeah, yeah really. My <laughs> yeah. worst experience like that actually happened at the Edinburgh Fringe, I think in 2017 or 18, I can't remember. Um, but um, friends of ours, Frizz Frizzle, had a really fun... Um, Christmas parody type gig on over in the new town. He used to invite me on to do a little set about Hanukkah, like he just thought it was a nice little way of bringing everything together. And um, on this particular occasion, I've been chatting to these people outside the beginning of uh, before we started, and they came in. They sat in the front row, just chatting to them about the weather and whatever. They sat in the front row. Uh, he did his opening set, and then he says to the audience, "Are you ready for your next act? Are you ready for some real diversity? Welcome to the stage, Jewish." Comedian Rachel Krieger and they booed those people sitting in the front. All booed. Um, 
Um, wow. And I was like halfway on the stage at that point. And I think they felt like I'd conned them by only looking like an ordinary English person and not explaining I was a little bit ethnic in our chat. And it was horrifying because the rest of the audience kind of froze. I froze um, and I didn't know what to do. Um, and I decided like I had to do something. We couldn't all sit there frozen. There's, you know, another show 45 minutes later. Um, so I thought everyone's going to remember how I res respond to this. I've got to do something. So I did a like, really theatrical bow and I said, well, thank you very much for the warm welcome. And then if this was a film, I'd obviously do the best set of my life and I'd be carried out on their shoulders and everything. But in fact, I just uh, did, I'm sure, an adequate, like I did my job and then um, scurried off the stage and all the other acts. Everyone was very distressed for me. I was all right. I think I made them look foolish by kind of reflecting it back Scream. on them. Scream. But, Still uh, happens. It made it into material. So, uh, you know, that's what happens. If you start with me, you end up in my material. Typical comedian. Typical comedian. <laughs> yeah, I say, you know, that they ended up trapped in the front row, still had to listen to me banging on about Hanukkah for eight minutes. Good. good. Which was a miracle because I only had enough material for one minute. Thank you very much. It is a good joke. Thank you. So it was all worth it. But it was horrifying when that happens because it's one thing people not like you. Joke. That's a good joke. Oh, thanks. thanks <laughs> I've been out the loop a little bit, but that's nice. I can oh, see thank that. Thank you. Yeah, it's all right. But it's one thing someone like not like you because people are not going to like your comedy anyway. Like booed on because you're a Jew. That's but a bit boo much. Booed but, but was then, something. Like, as you said, the reaction from the circuit, people do look out for each yeah. other. And it, yeah, there is generally do. support from circuits. So you put something online that's happened and the response generally is positive, which, yeah. is, which is reassuring. Right, we're going to change the subject completely now. We like to find out people's favourite Jewish, Hebrew, Yiddish, traditional uh, expressions and words. And so in this part of the show that we like to call Jewelingo, what's yours? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't use many now, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, schlep has sort of entered the general... Uh, I'm normal, normal, non-Jewish people would say schlep, wouldn't they, yeah. really? You would say schlep in Clitheroe? Yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> and to be honest, that is a schlep, isn't it, Clitheroe? God, it's absolutely miles away. So schlep would be the one, uh, really, for me. That's the one I use because as comics, we travel all over the country and, and you know, Bournemouth is a schlep. It, it is, is a schlep. Norwich yeah. is a schlep. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, anywhere, to be honest, past Birmingham is a schlep, yeah. really. So I, I use that one quite a bit. Uh, but that's yeah. sort of the only one I use now. I don't really, since, I mean, I don't really, like I say, my family, uh, I, I don't really see, uh, my grandmother's no longer with me. My dad uh, doesn't use it. My mum's no longer around. So it's not really, I don't uh. really hang out with uh, old Jewish people anymore who would use those sort of expressions. So uh, Is that why you felt so affectionate about Tatala? Yeah, well, it was nice to hear. What's the, matter, what's the matter, Bubba? Nothing. Tuttle was it just it transported me back to when I was about five or six. It's one of my mum's favourite little sayings. So, yeah, it was very, very nice to hear that. But no, schlep will be the one. Really. Schlep. Yeah. And I, I think you're right that it is used by other people as well. Uh, even Jake, who is doing our tech over there, fantastically well. Give her a huge round of applause, please, uh, to Jake. Uh, before when we were doing the rehearsal and just checking stuff, he said, so you'll do your shtick. And, that, and I thought, that's brilliant. He's, shtick, that shtick. is true. He, he's researched. Done a the, bit of Googling. Yeah, and, and when I asked, he went, no, it's just the word I use. So you're welcome. <laughs> I think we can probably throw it open to the audience. If any of you have got a question, we've probably got yeah. time for one or two questions. Oh, straight away. Hello. And do you want to say your name? Hi, I'm Bethany. 
Hi, Bethany. Hello. Very much enjoying the show. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's a question, Ian, about um, how you feel about your Jewishness, because you said you mentioned about being a self-hating Jew and not being Jewish off stage, but <clears> that it's had a big impact on you and it's very much part of you. Do you want to say something more about that paradox? I'm just really interested in that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't... That is an interesting question. I don't lead what I'd call a Jewish life, right? I don't. I, I mean, obviously, there's. Tr I've, I've been in therapy for years talking about my mother, which <laughs> couldn't really be any more Jewish than that, <laughs> to be honest with you. And I and I and I. There's so much about about j the culture and art that that I love that is created by Jews. You know, I was I was uh, uh, I saw um, West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg film, which, if mm. you haven't seen, by the way, is one of the greatest pieces of art I've ever seen in my life. And when Rita Moreno sings somewhere, I was just in floods of tears. It's amazing. But that couldn't be a more Jewish in a way. I mean, I know it's about the Sharks and the Jets, but it's Spielberg and Jerome Robbins and, and uh, Leonard Bernstein and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's about the Sharkovitzes and their Jetbergs. Ah, uh, oh, right, okay. Well, no, but I... I Oh, what back oh. in the nineteen fifties? Is that right? I mean, in the, I mean, obviously, in the original was the Montagues and the Capulets, right? But I no, but I see what you're saying. But so th there's all sorts of things about the Jewish experience. I could watch any Woody Allen film any time. Well, not maybe the last few, but <laughs> most of them I absolutely love. There's, there's so many things about Jewishness that appeals to me, but just not in the way that I live my life. My partner is not Jewish. I haven't been to a synagogue. I'll be honest with you. Can I tell this story? I'll tell you this story. The last time I went to a synagogue was uh, for the Day of Atonement, which is uh, uh, for the non-Jews. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when you're meant to atone for the sins of all the Jews. Uh, and it's and I, the last time I went was uh, 1983. And Great I, year. Uh, mm, Great it was year. A, it was a good year. Good year well, for sins. Well, I, um, and, and I, well, I wasn't taking it seriously. I went with my friend Simon and we got stoned beforehand. <laughs> and, and which is not great for a day when you're meant to be fasting all day. <laughs> and one of the rules is you're not meant to wear leather shoes. Uh, obviously, back in biblical times, that would mean you'd have to wear some sort of wooden clogs and it would be a day of discomfort. Whereas now, there was an old guy sitting next to us who had furry slippers on. <laughs> and I said, in my stoned way, look, look, it's Honey Monster. <laughs> and we got asked to leave, <laughs> which is fair enough. And that was the last time I went to synagogue uh, and I, so I do feel, you know, in terms of the religion, the religious side of things, I, I, it has no interest for me. I don't believe in any of it. I, I, even when I used to go to synagogue years ago, I used to sit there and, and it was, and all the, 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 the prayers are essentially, well done, God, you're great, good on you, God, nice one. I used to think, God, how needy are you? <laughs> uh, so even as a kid, I wasn't really into it. But no, culturally... Culturally, I, I, I love that side of things. So I guess that's where the dichotomy comes from. Thank you. Great question. Great answer. Great contribution as well from you. Has anyone else got a question? Great show. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Natasha and Damien from London. And we've just had a lovely Jewish experience having a Jewish wedding. Mazel oh, Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask, if you could go to Bloom's right now, what would you order? Wow. Can, can, before we answer this, can I check... Is this your honeymoon? Is this the equivalent of Bournemouth? 
We, we've just come back from a honeymoon in Italy. No, okay. And it was amazing going around on the trains in Italy because they went places. <laughs> instead of come, which, uh, experience strange. of getting to Scotland. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow, that's so retro. <laughs> for, the, for the people who don't know, Bloom's was a was, uh, salt beef restaurant uh, and there was one in uh, East London and oh, there was... Mm, all okay. gate, yes, okay. and there was another one, wasn't it? There's one Green. in Golders Green, Green. Yeah. Green as well. And I, my family took me, my dad took me there, and you got salt beef sandwiches. Is what you got in Blooms, and that's what I would get now. To be, in fact, I'd like. God, do we have to make these all about <laughs> food? Uh, yeah, uh, salt beef sandwich. I mean, it would have to be. Well, if you're there, you're there. I would have had one of those massive frankfurters in a roll with a with a pickle. They were nice too. They were I'd, nice I'd, too. I'd go with the salt beef. But my memory of Bloom's is it was the first restaurant I ever went to where the menu had rules on them. There's a there's like a list of rules. My, what? I don't remember. I think it was things like children have to be kept uh, you know, uh, on a leash. Was, but yeah, on a leash probably. <laughs> but but it was like the strictest restaurant I'd ever. Exper- I mean, it was that and McDonald's. I, I don't think it was. We weren't often in restaurants, but it was the first time I'd seen a set of rules. And Blooms is no longer with us. No. Well, there you are, you see. Also, so they, used to, they used to whip away your plate and your cutlery the minute they thought you'd finish. Like, if you still had, like, one crumb, tough luck. It's a tough Jewish version gone. of one keys in the West End, <laughs> if anyone's been to that. Yeah. I, oh, no. I mean, I, it, Bloom's not around now, is it? It's not no. around. Yeah, you can, get, you can get good salt beef sandwiches in Selfridges, but I don't know if they're kosher. I think they have kosher ones as well. Do they? Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll make I'll make you. We we get our salt beef from Costco, kosher salt beef from Costco, and pressure cook it. Gorgeous, nice? gorgeous, right. so good. Rubens, Rubens is good. Rubens oh, is yeah. good. I'm going to give you my Rubens tip. Uh, Rubens is a kosher restaurant in uh, Baker Street in London where they do salt beef sandwiches. Have you been there, Ian? No, um, I haven't. I'm going to give you my bonus tip because they make those massive kind of almost like a doorstep sandwich, loads and loads of salt beef in two pieces of rye bread. If you ask them for an extra couple of pieces of rye bread, you can split it into two, two sandwiches. sandwiches oh my goodness how jewish is that <laughs> i mean that's like my gift to humanity my i'm telling outstanding. you yeah genuinely well that's nearly all we've got time for but before we do uh this next little bit we should mention that rachel has already said that her husband is here and it's because today is their anniversary oh, um, nice and she's asked me to make a fuss so uh <laughs> No, today, is it 29 years? 29 years. 29 years. years. And, uh, yeah, Mark got married has, when I was six. Mark has come <laughs> up especially to, today to be here, so yeah. muzzled off. Thank um, you. And to the newlyweds as well, muzzled off. Yeah, may you have so. 29 years. 29 happy years, why not? I've been my girlfriend for 38 years, you know. 38 years? Yeah, we're not married, because you've got to be sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke. I love that joke. My girlfriend doesn't love it quite as much as I do. And I imagine your wife hates it. (laughs) 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 Well, that really is nearly all we've got time for, but how will our audience know what you're up to if you never call, you don't write? Normally, we'd allocate 20 seconds to do this, but for you, 30. (laughs) I've written this, which is uh, my book, uh, which is To Be Someone, which you can purchase at the gig or even now. And it's about, it's part social history, part autobiography and part love letter to music in general and Paul Weller and the jam in particular. And Paul Weller uh, gave me a lovely quote for the front cover. He said, I really like this book. I'd forgotten how shit it was in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> he actually phoned me up and said that. And Phil Jupiter, who you might know from the TV, mm-hmm. uh, did the illustrations. 
and oh, he's wow. a wonderful artist, and and uh, I'm very proud of it. And it's got some stories about me at uh, Jewish Free School and some wonderful uh, illustrations. I also present a football show on BT Sport called The Football Zone, if you like that sort of thing. No? Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, oh you're into it until no. that point. Yeah. Can oh, I right. But now you're Jewish. Like... <laughs> This is our non-Jewish audience member, and there's every interaction now, so you're getting more and more Jewish. It's wonderful. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. Well, I've absolutely loved this, and from now on, I'll always think of Ian Stone as the Jew who's more like David Baddiel than David yeah, Baddiel. Yeah, yeah. As my grandmother used to say when she wanted to end my telephone calls, you must have better things to do than talk to me, and you must have better things to do than talk to us, which is a good thing as we've come to the end of this show. We'd like to thank our wonderful guest, Ian Stone. Follow him on social media. Follow us on social media at Jew Talking without the G. Don't forget to subscribe, like and share the podcast with everyone you know. And join us next time on Jew Talking to Me. Jew Talking to Me was hosted by me, Philip Simon. And me, Rachel Krieger. It was produced by Russell Balkin and judged by our mothers. Could you just pause for a minute? One of these mics is making very weird noises. Uh, is Maybe it this one? Do you want it there or do you want it there? Would that be better? If I... Closer there. Okay, I shall talk. I had uh, uh, tomato soup for breakfast this morning. <laughs> Would you? No. Not Auntie Irene. I, I had egg and salt water. <laughs>